Welcome to the Nen Valley Vineyard podcast. What you're about to listen to is some teaching from our Sunday services. We're a church made up of people from Wellingborough through to Oundle spread across the Nen Valley and beyond. If you want to know more about us or find out how to get involved, visit our website, which is nenvalley.church, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Nen Valley Vineyard. A few weeks ago, uh, Angie started us off in a series called Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit is, it's not a vineyard, the vineyard didn't invent this phrase, but it's a phrase the vineyard prays a lot. And uh, really we want to explore something of who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, One of the things about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is one of the persons of God. So we might talk about Jesus or God as Father. Um, but the Holy Spirit is also one of the persons of the Trinity. And it's interesting, my, so my background is in, I guess, what you would call evangelical church, and lots of the books about the attributes of God will talk about God as Father and, and God as Son, and then they're kind of like, well, there's the Holy Spirit, and we're not really sure what to do with that. But actually, we just unpacked that actually the Holy Spirit is as much a part of the Trinity, is as much God as Jesus and the Father. So who is the Holy Spirit? Why why do we have him? Why do we relate to him? Why is the Holy Spirit good news for our change and transformation? Why is he good news for our healing? Why is he good news for our future? But why is he also good news for us today? And we want to dive into some of the who and the what of the Holy Spirit and how he impacts our mission as followers of Jesus to see God's kingdom come everywhere in every way. And actually, if we want to become more like Jesus, how he is central to that process. So the first week, uh, Angie talked, gave us a bit of an introduction, but the thing that really stood out to me, she she explained that when Jesus came and and died on the cross, what he did was he actually started to um, bring about God's kingdom again. God's kingdom being the rule and reign of God upon the earth. Which is, when you read the the creation story, the story of the Garden of Eden, that is a place where God rules and God reigns. And all that is robbed from us. But when Jesus comes, he starts to reintroduce the kingdom again. And we're told in Scripture that he will come again and we will see the kingdom in fullness, uh, which we don't now. Some people like to take issue On that point, for me, I just look around and go, I don't think this is God's... The life I see, people like Kevin passing suddenly, the kingdom hasn't come in fullness. Not yet. But this time between Jesus coming once and Jesus coming again, we call the end times, which is one of those loaded phrases. Some of you start to go on crazy things about Donald Trump, and some of you are like, I just don't want to know. And there's a vast spectrum in between, right? But actually, the one thing that Andrew said to me was that time, whatever else you think about that time, that is characterized by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And then I just talked about Jesus, how Jesus demonstrated life with the Holy Spirit to us. That actually when he came to earth, he had to give up some of his godly attributes to do that. For example, we would say now that because Jesus is seen in the heavenlies, we could say, well, he's everywhere and he sees and he knows all things. But if you come as a human... You cannot be everywhere all at once. And he laid aside some of that stuff and was dependent upon what the Father was doing and how the Spirit was upon him. 
But also that actually what we see Jesus do is he's filled with the Spirit, and the first thing that happens is he is taken out into the wilderness. And sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us where we don't want to go. And then two weeks ago, Maddie talked about the Holy Spirit, how he transforms and changes us. He might convict us of some things that need to change and correct us, but he empowers us to do that and then refines us. And actually, the, actually we, we need that process to happen in, in a community because if, the reality is if we want to become more like Jesus, I don't think we can do it alone because a whole bunch of that process is rubbing up against one another and learning to forgive one another and things like that. And this week, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and his gifts, so, which is sometimes called spiritual gifts. And again, this is one of those loaded phrases. I've just said spiritual gifts. Some of you are like, oh, no, let me out of here. Okay. Others of you are like, yes, this is the stuff. Okay. Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about when you say spiritual gifts. Is that like a voucher that you redeem, that you, know, you go to a shop, maybe you come to church, you put your voucher in, you get free coffee? No, none of that. But whatever you think about the phrase spiritual gifts, this morning I would just encourage you to come with some, some openness, maybe to put aside some of our um, assumptions, maybe some of our fears. Some of those fears, I will say, are legitimate, that actually when you look across the church, there are places where the spiritual gifts are used abusively. And maybe some of you have experienced that. And just to, to come this morning to the passage of Scripture we're going to read and see what the Holy Spirit might say to us. Shall we pray? So Holy Spirit, I thank you that, that you are with us. I thank you that you are for us. And just this morning, would you, of all the things I say, some of the things I say this morning and not of you, would those things fall away? Some of the things I say this morning um, are of you. Would those things remain, we pray? Would you help each one of us, whether when we're talking about spiritual gifts, it's a place of hurt or a place of excitement, whatever the emotions we feel, would you come and give us peace and openness to this this morning, we pray. Amen. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 11. This is really one of the kind of go-to passages when we talk about the spiritual gifts, and it says this. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one else, sorry, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. 
and still uh, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. When I say spiritual gifts, I wonder what comes to mind. Sometimes I wonder if we kind of view them as like superpowers that some of us have and some of us don't. Maybe we view them as like, like a kind of like a personality tra- trait, but the Holy Spirit is involved. Maybe you view them as these things that kind of fall out of heaven and we make the most of. I don't know how you see them. Maybe you would say that you're somebody who's gifted with healing or or prophecy, or um, prayers of faith. And that's great. If that's you, God bless you. Maybe you're the person that is like, I don't think I can do any of that stuff, but I'm great at hosting people and being hospitable to people. And that's good too. You're good at caring for the poor and being compassionate and those in need. That's good too. I think in the way I've thought about the spiritual gifts for years, I kind of go, well, there's people that are good at prophecy and praying for healing and stuff, and then there's people that are good at being hospitable and caring for the poor. But there was this tendency to almost try and categorize people by those things. And actually what happens is then the people that are good at feeding people and being hospitable are somehow exempted from these works of power that Paul talks about. And I do think there is a great sense in which the Spirit works through us in a way that works to our strengths sometimes. Uh, So, for example, I'm an introvert, uh, which is why I need to go lie down after this morning. I've been here way too much. But there are things like if if you, the first time you had a conversation with me, I would say there is like a 75% chance the first thing I said made it incredibly awkward. Probably. I don't know if this is true or not. This is what I go home and think about in my introverted world. But there are people who are wonderful extroverts. In fact, so last Sunday we were giving out chocolate and Dick came along. Dick can talk to anybody. I don't know if you know. He can just go. If I went up and said the same thing to people as Dick did, they would try and have me arrested. But Dick gets away with it. I don't... Not that Dick's saying anything wrong, it's just that I look like I'm going to mug them, I think. People are gifted in certain ways. And we would say that, you know, there's things like Myers-Briggs tests, strength finders, uh, Enneagram, all these different things that people talk about to figure out those things. And I don't disagree with that per se. And if you go online, you can probably find all sorts of quizzes that are like, what are your spiritual gifts? What are the ways you're gifted and what are the ways you're not gifted? Some of those are good. Some of those are clickbait on Facebook. Um, if you, just to kind of help you out here, if you click a link on Facebook for a maths quiz and it tells you you're a genius, that's clickbait. You're not a genius, I'm sorry. I can get 10 out of 10 on some of them. And my maths is terrible, right? But I think this understanding of spiritual gifts about being connected to our gifting 
limits the Holy Spirit, but also limits what God could do in us and through us. That actually, if we read passages like this through that lens, then we can exclude ourselves or exclude others from what God might have for us to do. For example, maybe you are, there's certain kinds of Myers-Briggs um, assessments where you could become an extrovert and you become something that's called, it's called judge, you're good at judgment, which sounds terrible, but it means that you have a, a great sense of justice of right and wrong. Those people often become the people that can come at the front and give a word of prophecy because they don't mind being at the front and they don't mind saying what they think is right. Does that make sense? For other people, they're like, I would love to do that, but I really don't want to have to talk down a microphone or whatever else it might be. Pastorally, you may even have been told that something isn't your gifting and don't try and do it again, please. And there are things... Where that might be the case, but there's lots of other times where I don't think that's necessary. And this morning I want to say, if, if God wants to speak a word of knowledge or wisdom or prophecy through you, he will do it and he can do it. It's whether you feel able to listen and be open to him doing that. If God wants to heal somebody through your mumbled, rubbish, mangled prayer, he will do it. And I'm going to tell you a story about that for myself later. If, if nothing else this morning, I would love you to take away this morning this idea of do not discount yourself from being a vessel of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in God's kingdom come. Because of personality traits, because of, I don't know what it might be, illness, mental health issues, whatever. Nobody in this room is perfect. And I think we do a great job of confusing gifting with spiritual gifts. When Paul is talking here, I don't think he's talking about your spiritual giftings and traits at all. I think, and I was trying to find a, the right word to explain this, but I think what Paul is talking about, he talks about the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, which is a really technical word. If you don't know, if you don't know what it means, it's hard to explain, right? But it's kind of like these Holy Spirit presents, like gift presents, that just fall and they are full of the grace of God. I think that's what Paul is talking about here. The Greek here does talk about free gifts. It's a word charismaton, which I'm saying wrong. I appreciate it. But it's talking about free gifts. It's not talking about gifting. Those are two different things. In fact, I think this whole sway of Scripture, if you read 1 Corinthians in 1, you realize it's a letter, and Paul is answering some questions. And this whole part of this, the letter seems to be Paul going into this bit about, here's what I think you need to do when you gather together as the people of God. And this bit in particular is, this is what it looks like when the Holy Spirit turns up in a, a gathering like this, or a small group, or wherever. And I don't think this list here is really meant to be all-encompassing. I don't think, when Paul is writing this letter, I don't think he's trying to write a theological document. He's writing as a pastor to a church that have got all sorts of questions. 
and he's trying to answer them. And look, it's not like writing a letter like we write a letter. If you ever get an email from me, I apologize in advance for autocorrect. It's terrible. If someone tries to translate that in like a thousand years, they're going to come out with rubbish, right? These are carefully written. But I don't think these are... Paul isn't writing this letter going, this is going to be scripture one day. Okay? That this became scripture because it was useful and good. And actually, I think at this point, the, the question that Paul is answering, we don't have the original letter. It may, it may be that Paul visited. I mean, if you really want me to bend your mind, 2 Corinthians isn't the second letter Paul writes to the Corinthians. It might be the fourth or fifth or something. There's a whole bunch of letters we don't have. But I think the question he's answering in this bit of scripture from 12, chapter 12 through to chapter 14 is probably something along the lines of which is more important, the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy? I think that's what he's trying to answer here. And his summary kind of goes like this. This is my reading. You can find scholars who will probably disagree with me. That's fine. I think what Paul is saying is there are all kinds of gifts like this that the Holy Spirit brings. And we are one body with many parts. Some of you might get a tongue on a, in a gathering like this. Some of you might pray for somebody and they're healed. Somebody might get a word of knowledge. All these things might happen because the Holy Spirit is good. But it's not about which is more important, one or the other. In fact, if you read through, the next chapter is chapter 1 Corinthians 13. That's the wedding chapter. If you've ever had that, love is patient, love is kind. The context of that for me is, if you are somebody who can prophesy or speak in tongues or be compassionate and good, whatever, but you don't love people, you may as well not bother. If you don't love one another, don't bother. But he did, then it just made me laugh because he does kind of say, but if I had to choose, prophesy because tongues is weird. Okay, that's not a new problem for the church. Okay, that's always been a thing. When the Holy Spirit turns up in a context like this, any one of us in this room could be the one that God wants to speak a word of prophecy through or heal the sick through or give a word of wisdom. And my encouragement is for us to not be tempted to sit back and treat a gathering like this like a spectator sport. Because I will say this as a pastor lovingly to all of you who come up regularly. But we all know there are people in the room who we, when we say we're going to wait for the Holy Spirit, is there a word of prophecy? There are those people that hear God and will come up. And the rest of us, if we're honest, might go, oh, I'll just wait for them. Does God gift particular people for particular things? Yes, I think he does. Like, the, for example, there is a difference for, between somebody who can give a word of prophecy and somebody who you might call a prophet. A prophet can tell you how much of your underpants are polyester. Okay, right now. Could look at you go, 70% polyester underpants. Right? That's somebody with, that's like what you might call the office of prophet, and they have terrible lives, could I tell you? Like, oh, man. They have it tough. Okay. And then there's those of us who can give a word of prophecy. Power. <laughs> Hello? Hello. I'm saying something wrong, clearly. Uh, there are, 
I'm glad that was quick. Goodness. Um, it's because I said there's a prophet somewhere going, someone said underpants. I'm going to pray that they... Anyway, um, sorry. Just my mind's gone now. Uh, but there's a difference between somebody who has a, a, something like a gift like that, that can say... You know, some of these guys, they'll sit with like leaders of nations and all sorts. And then those of us here on a Sunday who just think, I think God might be saying something to somebody. But the, whole, but the scripture is also really clear to us that the Holy Spirit and his gifts are for all of us. What does it say in Joel? I'll pour out my spirit on some people. No, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. And if you are here today and you love Jesus and you follow him and you know the Holy Spirit and you've been told that you are not gifted enough or you've been told that you are not holy enough, maybe you're not clever enough, in some way or other you're not good enough, then my prayer this morning is just that the Holy Spirit would come and break some of those lies around you. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it's kind of this same sway of scripture, but later on it says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Uh, I don't know if you know this, the New Testament was written in Greek, so all of our translations that we get in English, a whole bunch of people have sat down and gone, we need to translate these Greek words into something that is either accurate to the Greek or makes sense to us today or somewhere in that spectrum. And it's hard, and I'm glad I don't have to do it. But the Greek word that we translate as gifts of the spirit or spiritual gifts is something that is pneumatica, pneumatica. I can read the Greek when it's put in English letters. I can't say it even then. But actually everywhere else in the New Testament where it says pneumatica, we don't translate it as gifts of the spirit or spiritual gifts. We just translate it as spiritual. And it doesn't make sense in English, which is why they've added words to it. Okay, But I wonder if we should read, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual. Actually, when we are gathered in an environment like this, like we have a time of singing and a time of teaching, I wonder if what Paul is just suggesting, and you can disagree with me on this because this is a me thing, this is just me trying to make sense of this, that there should be an expectation there is the time that is just spiritual, that the Holy Spirit might be at work, and if we listen to him, he might have things for us to do. Does that make sense? It's not about, oh, can the gifted one listen, and everyone else just sit back and wait for the gifted person to hear. I don't think that's what's being said at all. And I think these gifts are available to us kind of any time. I'll talk about that in a minute. But in a setting like this, why does God do these things in a setting like this? Well, Paul says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Why? For the common good, for the good of us all. And yet in our culture, in the church, as we've kind of wrestled with celebrity culture, how many of us follow that prophet or that teacher or that worship leader or whatever else? That's In one sense, I guess that's fine. If I'm honest, I struggle with that, but it's fine. But when we put people on, on pedestals and go to field stadiums to hear them speak, I wonder if there's this sense in which we're kind of missing out that it's not about the person prophesying or speaking or leading worship. 
It's about the Holy Spirit and God's kingdom come and God's will done in a place like this. Actually, when we have a word of prophecy, it's not to make us look good, the person giving the word. It's because God wants to pour out his love on somebody else in the room. It's about their, their wholeness, right? And what we see in, in Jesus is these kind, of, these kind of bits where the Holy Spirit breaks through and God's kingdom comes. He actually doesn't do in a gathered church environment, partly because there isn't a church yet, which I understand that's tricky. You can't do it if it doesn't exist, right? But even in like synagogue settings, it's not actually where these things happen all the time. Jesus will be out uh, getting water at a well, or he'll be walking through and see a bloke being weird in a tree, or whatever he sees. And he gets a word of prophecy, or he prays and heals somebody. All these things happen. You can read these through the Gospels, right? But then what does he do? He sends out, we see in two different places, he sends out the 12 and he sends out the 72. But when he sends out the 12, this is Matthew 10, 5 to 8, he says this. These, these 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles, that's anybody who's not Jewish, or enter the town of the Samaritans. Rather, go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Two things. These bits where the Holy Spirit breaks through God's kingdom come, I think they're just to back up the gospel message. I think they're to back up the good news that God's kingdom has come. But what doesn't Jesus do that we see here? We don't see him go, right, you... You can prophesy. You could cast out demons. You can be the exorcist. No one likes the exorcist, but you can be that guy, right? He just sends them out. What does Jesus model? I only do what I see the Father doing. I go about, I do what I see the Father doing. And these moments of wonderful power and restoration, um, I think these are things that are for us now. We live in a world that thinks that we look, I don't know, down on a spiritual worldview of the world, right? But my wholehearted belief is that as we go out, we come into contact with people who God's going, you know what, I love them. You know what, I want to heal them. And some of it, if you're like me, you're the introvert, you're like, oh, please God, not me. I'm going to say something weird. But actually, for all of us, as we go about our normal day-to-day lives, I think God wants to come and do some of this stuff through us and around us. And the good news is, as what we see Jesus' model, is if God orders the meal, he'll pay for it as well. Okay, if he says to you, I want to heal that person, you can pray the worst prayer you have ever prayed if God wants to do it. And you are the one who is there do it. I once heard a, a story of um, somebody who went out, they just went out on the streets just to do, specifically to do kind of prophetic stuff with people and pray for people. And they took this guy out for the first time. He'd never done it before. And they were chatting. I think there was three of them chatting to somebody. Uh, and they kind of looked at the new guy and said, right, you can do this one, which is 
a weird way of saying it, but fine. You can do this one. And the guy kind of paused, closed his eyes, had a think, and said, I see a pink and purple spotted elephant. And all the other guys are like, oh, no. No way. Uh. But the guy they were talking to burst out in tears. He said, when I was a kid, on my bedroom wall was a pink and purple spotted elephant. And he'd had terrible times with his parents and family. And they had this opportunity to pray with him and pour out the love of God upon him. In some ways, some of this stuff is so simple if we trust God. I know it's not easy. <laughs> I know that the Holy Spirit has to do a work in us to make us ready to do this stuff. But in some ways, it's so easy. You know, when we brought together what was the Wellenborough and Rawn sites of Central Vineyard to form Nen Valley Vineyard, the, the thing that God put upon my heart was, you know, normally when you plan a church, you pick the kind of model you have to be the church where you're either like this kind of pyramid shape with a narrow bit at the top where the leader says stuff and everyone goes, do, goes and does it, or you're the opposite way around where the leaders are just serving whatever everybody else wants to do. And actually what I saw across the Nen Valley was something more like a constellation of stars. Because it's such a, a broad area, it's so diverse. Okay, between the towns here, there's a lot of difference in diversity. And it is not actually possible to program church, plan church in such a way that we can do stuff everywhere. It's just not possible. We don't have enough money, enough people, enough resource, enough whatever. But what do we have? We have people who love Jesus in all of those places. People who Jesus says, you are the light of the world. The thing that holds us together in a constellation shape is Jesus, right? But each one of us, we shine brightly. And what do we now know about stars in constellations? That around those stars, there is a whole ecosystem of planets and stuff. Each one of us as a star has a unique ecosystem of people and places we work and people we have coffee with and the streets we live on and all the problems that come with that and Facebook groups we're part of that's just junk most of the time, but we love it anyway. We all have these different ecosystems. And I wonder what it might look like if each one of us just said, hey, Holy Spirit, what are we doing today? And I think the question for us, I'm going to cut out a whole bunch of this talk because we haven't got time. The bit that, where we go through the list of what all the gifts mean, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to find it somewhere else later. Ask someone else, it's fine. Um, regardless of age, some of you, who here is under 18? Hands up. Okay, good. Put your hand down, Steve. I saw that. <laughs> I, said, I said 18, not 80. Is that... <laughs> Um, so you guys who are in school you are in the schools you are in I am not the other people here are not Jesus loves your friends you don't need all the answers you just love people and pray with people and be available for what God might say Maybe you are the other end of the spectrum. You're like, I don't know what I can do in old age, in frailty, and whatever else. 
You are exactly where God wants you to be. Maybe it's the color of your skin. Maybe it's your background. Maybe it's ethnicity. Maybe it's education, lack of or too much of. Maybe it's ability or disability. Maybe it's because you're married or because you're single or because you have family or uh, maybe it's because you have that job or maybe it's because you're employed. None of that stuff matters. The question is, will we listen to God? Will we be listening? Should we pray? Should we stand? We'll pray. From the passage of scripture we read from 1 Corinthians, I think our expectation should be in a gathering like this that the Holy Spirit has stuff to do. And, and maybe that is weird for you. Maybe this is your first time here, like these guys are crackpots. But I would just encourage you just to come before the Holy Spirit and go, okay. So we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask this graciously and lovingly. If you are one of those people that's happy coming up and giving a word, would you sit back and just, we can embrace the awkward and the waiting and see if God would speak through other people this morning. I include myself in that. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that that when you pour out your gifts, the kingdom of heaven crashes into our, our world. And I thank you that none of us here are somehow second class or unable to, to be used by you. In fact, anything else is, if we believe anything else, Holy Spirit, would you just come and undo some lies this morning? Holy Spirit, we recognize that when you come and do these things, it's not so that we have a nice church service or an exciting church service. It's so that you can change and transform lives. And Lord, my own heart cry this morning, Lord, is would you do more of that? Holy Spirit, would you come? Well, thanks so much for listening to this teaching from Nen Valley Vineyard. We pray it blesses you and produces good fruit in you. If we can connect to you or help you engage with our community, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us via our website, which is nenvalley.church.